0: Today, our sermon passage is from the Old Testament, and if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, the words will, be also, will also be on the screen. Hear God's word. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants After you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth, and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant i have established between me and all life on earth the word of the lord thanks be to god may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you o oh god our rock and our redeemer and the people said amen john wooden was the legendary coach of the university of California-Las Vegas Bruins, UCLA Bruins basketball team from 1948 until 1975. He led his teams to 10 national championships, including a streak of seven in a row. The Bruins' first title came in 1964 when they defeated Duke and capped an undefeated season. The championship game was held in Kansas City, Missouri on a Saturday... Unlike Mondays, where it takes place now. Since the day after the big game was Easter, Coach Wooden wanted to attend worship to hear a favorite pastor of his in the area. He writes, With my assistant coach and our wives, we headed off to the service. As we walked from the car to the sanctuary, a pigeon scouted out our little group. No doubt noticing that we were wearing our Sunday bests, including fashionable hats. The pigeon's aim, writes Wooden, was perfect. Plop, his little gift of humility right on top of my brand new hat. Here, my team had just won the national championship, and I was feeling very pleased with life, and along came the pigeon. And then he writes I think he was a messenger from God, perhaps. From that point on, I always kept my mind in its proper place, even after winning championships. I don't tell this story often, but I think it's a good reminder for anyone who is a coach or a life leader. After all, it is our humility that enables us to control our emotions during the good times and the bad. Now, I don't know how many of you um, to whom God has sent a pigeon, but maybe there are other signs that you have received And sense that they were from God. Where God was nudging you. Where God was prompting you to do something or not to do something. Or to remember something. Or to make a commitment. Or to keep a promise. For Wooden, that promise was to be humble. For others, maybe it's a commitment or a promise. Like this wedding ring I have on my left hand. It's a constant reminder to me of the promise that I made to Melanie almost 28 years ago. A promise to love, to honor, and cherish her for better for, or worse, richer or for poorer seminary days, in sickness and in health, till death do us part according to God's holy ordinance. A constant reminder. Someone once said that baptism is as is the wedding ring for Christianity. It's a constant reminder. When I graduated from the seminary, Baptist Theological Seminary in 1998, they presented me, as they do all graduates, with a towel inscribed with my name, and the towel is a reminder that we are called to be servants, that we are not to lord it over others as pastors and ministers. In God's church and leaders in God's church, but rather we are to imitate Jesus who took a towel and washed the feet of his disciples. He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I keep this towel on the credenza in my study here at church along with several other important reminders so that I am kept grounded. Maybe you have something like this In a special place in your life and maybe there are other reminders of your commitments like the scouts promise or as i've seen many many boxes of girl scout cookies that remind us of our commitment to scouting a lot of you are nodding your heads as are we a medical doctor makes an oath and promises certain things as they begin the practice of medicine and so do other medical providers Or perhaps an oath of enlistment into the armed services or into law enforcement. Or if you've ever been to court and have had to give a testimony, you have to make a promise that you're going to tell the whole truth, the truth, and nothing but truth, so help you God. Or maybe you've been hanging out with your grandchildren and they want ice cream after the game and you make a pinky promise and that's going to hold you to that special treat on the way home. These are all signs for us, for sure, and we need them because we're human and because if you're, not, if you're like me, you forget, and we need constant reminders of our promises and commitments. But God, did God need a promise set forth in the sky so that he would remember his covenant to Noah and all the living creatures? Is God forgetful? Did God need a yarn tied around God's finger so that God would remember a promise that he made? I don't know if you've ever read this account, this story of Noah before, and paid attention to the fact that the rainbow is not for Noah. The rainbow was for God. And I'll always remember my Old Testament professor, Dr. Sam Ballantyne at the seminary, teaching us this passage. And he helped us to remind the threefold promise that God made to Noah and all his family never again, never again, never again. And I'm going to give myself a reminder. It's not for you, Noah, but it's for me. And every time it appears in the sky, I will be reminded. See, God is not forgetful. God is all-knowing. But God gave God's self a reminder as a show of grace to those who come after. To let people see His humility and His mercy and His compassion on humanity. So that's the first sign that we have today. There are four signs or symbols that we're going to talk about today in the message as they apply to Christians. The first one is the rainbow and if you have a pencil or a marker or a crayon or a pen in your being today, I encourage you to color or draw your own symbols as we move through the message. The first one is the rainbow and you have my permission to be looking down at your notes coloring during the message. Your ears are going to hear anyway. One commentator writes, Note how this covenant is not tied to any response by creation. There are no requirements that must be met in order for this covenant to be binding. God simply says, Never again, never again, never again. And did not require a sign to jog God's divine memory. But as a reminder to God of his covenantal promise. The sign that God chose to be the reminder to God is from the Hebrew word keshet, which refers to a bow, like bow and arrow bow, the weapon wielded by both God and human warriors. And here it is clearly in the Old Testament text referring to a rainbow. At the beginning of the earth's new history, this is a recreation story a term that usually had connotations with violence and hostility, is instead applied as a sign of divine promise and a renewed relationship between God and the world. God now describes the circumstances under which the sign will be generated. Clouds, even the darkest, most ominous storm clouds, should no longer be a concern, for the bow among the clouds will recall the covenant that God has made. I think that's an amazing way to look at a rainbow. And the next time that you're out and about and you happen to see one, be reminded of the God who gave himself a reminder. God stands as a subject of the verbs throughout the text, even seeing the rainbow, remembering the covenant. Nothing at all is said about what human beings should do. God alone takes on this obligation and reveals his steadfast Chesed love that Dr. Jackson talked about last Sunday, overflowing with grace and mercy. Now, there would be covenants later where human beings would be required to do something. When you and I engage in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we simply receive His grace, and then He asks us to obey His commands. They're not contingent for our salvation, but He sure does ask us that we obey His commands, that we love one another as He has loved us. You see, God knew that humanity would not only need a new beginning, but many new beginnings. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to save the world from darkness and evil and sin and hurt and strife. And Jesus Christ Himself endured that on our behalf. And the difference is that he defeated the grave. He overcame all of that and lives. And the resurrection is the proof of that. He endured 40 days in the wilderness. Suffering and being tempted by the devil on our behalf. That's the second symbol. On Ash Wednesday this past week, we met here for worship. And we engaged in a time of quiet, discerning, listening. Reflecting on our own mortality on our sins, on our sorrows, and our griefs. The cross up here to your left is a, a way that we engage people in worship. And worshipers wrote notes on these small note, pieces of paper and placed them there for safekeeping about uh, different things that they wanted to give to God and to ask God to take from them. Perhaps you will engage in that spiritual exercise today and sackcloth and ashes a reminder of our our sorrow and mourning and grief because of sin and because of the condition of this world is a symbol for us draw on your bulletins somehow how a way that this impacts you how how do you experience this way of Identifying with Jesus' wilderness experience, his suffering and temptation on our behalf. Mark chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 tell us about his experience in the wilderness. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love with you. I am well pleased. At once, the spirit sent him into the wilderness. Another translation is forced him into the wilderness. Jesus was thrust into the wilderness and he was In the wilderness, 40 days, being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. The 40 day period between Ash Wednesday and Easter, excluding Sundays, is Lent, and it's a time for us to reflect on our sorrow for our sins, repentance, and this broken world. Sadly, on this day, we saw the frailty of human life on Ash Wednesday. It also happened to be St. Valentine's Day, a time when martyrs, there were two martyrs with the name of Valentine in the early centuries, I think the third century, that were martyred for their Christian faith. And on a day that is supposed to be uh, one where we express love and then we engage in a time of preparation for Easter, tragedy happened. We mourn and we repent and we are grieved for the things that have been done and the things that have been left undone in this world. And the ash on the forehead is a sign that puts, points us back to what the ancients wore when they grieved. And we grieve, we grieve. This morning at the 9 o'clock service, I, I really struggled. And I struggle right now uh, just, just um, trying to identify with such hurt. And I know that you feel that. Please continue in your prayers. As a church, uh, the church must show unity and must rise up and uh, be, be an, uh, a force that uh, brings about change in, in this world. If we pray and say we're thinking about you and just stop there, we, we have not carried out the, uh, the, the message that God desires. So let us continue to Um, Do what we can as believers to provide hope and healing and and encouragement for those who grieve. The third symbol is the cross. There are a number of them in this room. Perhaps there is one that you identify with, or maybe there's one in your life that's very meaningful. I'd encourage you to write that down in your bulletin. To color what that cross looks like. To reflect on that cross. Because the cross is a symbol of victory. The cross is a symbol that the brokenness and the sin and the desolation of this earth does not and did not and does not win. The cross tells us Jesus paid the price for the sins of humanity and overcame the grave and rose on the third day. And as Christians, we hold the cross dear. Coach Wooden, who I shared uh, earlier uh, the story about the pigeon, talked also about how he carried a small cross in his pocket, and it was a constant reminder to him of his faith. I'm thankful that we have several crosses here in our sanctuary that we might reflect upon and can remind us that Jesus paid the, got the victory. He paid the price And won the victory. The scripture says in Philippians, Paul writing, "...and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Rainbow, God's promise to God, sackcloth and ashes, a reminder for us, the cross, a reminder for us, and finally, our baptism. I pray that when Chuck was baptized this morning that it reminded you of your baptism or prompted you to take next steps toward baptism if you have not yet received Jesus Christ and uh, become baptized believer in his church some of you may be believers and you've never taken that next step of baptism i pray that today's experience would prompt you to take those next steps but i believe we are called to remember our baptism draw what it looks like for you maybe maybe you remember the day you were baptized and there's something you'll draw that or maybe you've witnessed a baptism or Maybe you desire to be baptized, and today's you, you'll, you'll color something that will help you take steps toward it. But in 1 Peter 3, Peter reminds us to, to, to reflect upon baptism and its significance. In chapter um, 3, verses 18 and following, actually verses 20 through 22, listen to what he says. To those who were disobedient long ago when God... ...waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand with the angels, authority, and powers in submission to Him. Baptism is a symbol. It is a sign, a symbol, a reminder to us. It does not save us, but it points us to the One who does. When we experience baptism and go into the water, it symbolizes that we have died with Christ. The old self is gone. When we emerge out of the water and the water is running down upon us, It symbolizes new life in Christ Jesus that we've identified with him, that we have put on Christ, that we desire to be the light of the world, salt of the earth, and light of the world. Baptism is just a symbol, but it's a powerful symbol, and it embodies all that we believe in the life, the ministry, crucifixion, death, darkness, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember your baptism. Or take steps toward it. It helps us know what we believe. And there's a song. I forget the the group that sings it. But it's called We Believe. Y'all can Google it and let me know after service. Listen to the words. In this time of desperation. When all we know is doubt and fear. There is only one foundation. We believe. We believe. Our baptism reminds us of what we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit and that He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection and He's coming back again. We believe. So let our faith be more than anthems, greater than the songs we sing, and in our weaknesses and temptations we believe. We believe. Let the lost be found and the dead be raised. In here and the here and now, let love invade. Let the church live loud. Our God will say, we believe, we believe. And the gates of hell will not prevail, for the power of God has torn the veil. Now we know your love will never fail. We believe, we believe. May your baptism. Or witnessing baptism remind us of what we believe. Let me close with a brief story of the well-known preacher Harry Emerson Fosdick, one of the greatest American preachers in, our, in this past century, and he's described his preaching and counseling. Uh, as counseling on a large scale. He did a lot of pastoral care in his preaching. But few people know that as a young seminary student that he reached a breaking point after working one summer in a New York mission. He went home and he was overcome by a deep, dark depression. And he writes that he did not know if he would make it. At a very vulnerable moment, Fosdick says this, I heard my father in the other room calling my name, Harry, Harry. He writes, I called him back. And he says, I never forgot it. It was like God was calling my name. So today, be reminded that in those times when you were in the wilderness, when it seems as if you are constantly journeying with sackcloth and ashes, when temptation comes and the world offers you a wrong answer or a wrong choice or the wrong use of power or the wrong way to popularity or the wrong kind of partnership, then remember God has called your name as he did Jesus. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am Well pleased. And remember that because God has called your name, God will see you.